Well, it's awesome. I had a uh, pretty cool week this week. Uh, I, in one of my many stops along the way, I uh, had the opportunity. Um, we're still getting stories back about uh, w- some things that we've done here at the church and how it's impacting people's lives. And, uh, and I, I was in uh, a place this week and had someone share with me. They had uh, brought their kids uh, to our DC Glow Party. And uh, after some reluctance by one of them, one of the one of the kids to come into the glow party because they're kind of that shy, uh, you know, shy type of uh, personality. Uh, they decided to come in and they had such a good time that that they didn't want to leave the church. They were ready to spend the night here, right? And so they they got in the car and uh, uh, the, the, this this little girl she told her mom she's like, Mom, I just want you to know that our church is so epic. And, and I was just like, Okay, I I, I will take. Our church is epic, okay? So if you didn't know it, if you call Discover Church home, your church is epic. That was not my words. That's uh, uh, one of our, our younger uh, younger people that called DC home. That was her words. And so I'm super excited, and you guys make it epic, so thanks so much for that. We're actually going to get ready to kick off a new series, though, today. And this new series that we are going to be calling it uh, Running with the Giants. And Running with the Giants, if you have, say, you know, that kind of sounds a little bit familiar uh, to me. That might be because a couple years ago, uh, I think it would be an appropriate title to call uh, him a a leadership guru. But John Maxwell actually wrote a book, Running with the Giants. He actually had some series of books that came out after that. And really, it's kind of this series is going to be kind of based off that, and also based off of Hebrews chapter eleven, which, if you've ever read the book of Hebrews chapter eleven, uh, it's kind of the uh, the hall of uh, of, of faith uh, of fame. You know what I mean? Like so, so some really uh, amazing people that are called out in Scripture for the amazing faith that they have. So we're kind of going to be taking a look at at all that. But here's what it actually says. In Hebrews uh, chapter 12, the next one over, if you're taking notes, uh, we got some good scripture and some good things that, you know, I'd encourage you. If you don't have a pen or paper, you have the connection card in front of you that you can write on the back of there as well if you want. But here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a, a great cloud of witnesses, and one of the things I love for us, for you and me to understand today is, is what, what's happening here is they're saying, listen, the, some of the mighty people that, that have lived, some of the mighty people of God that have lived, you know, they're not uh, uh, just, you know, passively passing time uh, for eternity, but they're actually uh, surrounding. Like, and, and if you would, I, I want to encourage you to kind of think, you know, the Olympics is happening right now, but there's no fans, you know, and which is a little bit weird when they pipe in the fake crowd noise. I don't, I'm not really a big fan of the fake crowd noise. I want, like, to either hear the dead silence so you can hear what everybody's saying or, like, put some people in there, you know what I mean? But, you know, you ever, you ever had it where you're listening and, and then there's all the, you know what I mean, all the crowds just going nuts. And, and, and so one of the things we want you to understand, I want you to understand out of this is that, guess what? There's some people that are watching you, cheering you on, and they're not maybe even people that you, you know, but they're, 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 they're cheering you on. He says, so let us throw everything off that hinders and, and, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance for the race that is marked out for us. And so today, uh, to kind of kick off this series, uh, I, I don't think I've ever uh, covered this person as uh, part of a message for Discover Church. So this is kind of getting into some new, if you, you, you know, you ever wonder, like, Pastor Curtis, do you ever repeat yourself? Maybe, but not today, okay? Not, today's not a repeat day. Uh, so for me, uh, we're going to actually be talking about somebody that is mentioned in Hebrews 11, and somebody that I personally have had a little bit of a struggle to figure out why they're in Hebrews 11 as this, like, great person of faith 
when sometimes I look at their life and I'm like, I don't feel like that lines up. And this person is Samson. And now some of you, you, you maybe you've read the story of Samson. If you haven't, that's okay. I'm going to kind of catch us up. But, you know, Samson was one of these guys that uh, when he was born was uh, called, he had what was called a Nazarite vow. I'll kind of explain that in just a second. He had a Nazarite vow on him. But basically this anointing, this calling that he had meant that he was supposed to help lead. He was supposed to be somebody in the book of Judges, which is where we're going to be headed to. He was somebody that was supposed to help lead the people. He was supposed to be somebody that was going to, like, help be an influencer, right? And he was going to help kind of propel people to where God wanted them to go. And, and so, you know, the problem is, is he didn't live like it. If you read Samson's story, there's all sorts of craziness that Samson, he was dishonest, he lied, he hung out with the wrong people, he was involved in the bad crowd. You know, many of you know, even if you don't know all the the story of Samson, you know, we had Delilah, Samson and Delilah kissing in the tree, you know, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, you know, all that good stuff. We had so Samson and you had Delilah. What we ultimately find out, you didn't know I was going to do that, did you, TJ? Yeah, I threw that in there. I did, yeah. So I keep you on your toes. But uh, we, we find out, though, that, he, you know, what happens, he gets his hair cut off. Uh, he, he loses his strength. Not only th- does it happen, but it goes real bad for Samson. Man. My, my, my man gets his eyes gouged out, okay? You didn't know we were talking about algaigin and gougin. Gougin? Gougin? Come on. I'm su- that's Sussex County. Sussex County can't handle that word, gougin. We can't do it. That's, that's too much. He got his eyes pulled out. We're going to say that. There you go. He got his eyes taken out, right? And at the end of his life, one of the problems that we see with Samson is after he's humiliated, he's defeated, he gets uh, strapped to a, a, like a basically like a stockade, and, and he's walking around like in a grain, but like what you would see uh, that people would have done to a donkey or a mule or a horse, where he, he and he's just that's all he does all day. He just spends his life doing this. And so you look at this guy, Samson, and you're like, how is this guy? In Hebrews 11, talking about all this great faith, the, you know, the heroes of the hall of faith, you know what I mean, all this great stuff he could have done. And so to me, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've played this from time to time, whether it's biblical characters or other people that have lived and, and been, like, you know, influential. You ever wonder, like, if you could sit down with this person, what would they say? Have you ever done that before? Or am I the only one that's weird like that? Okay, if I am, that's all right. But I, I wondered, you know, like if you, and so I, I was thinking about that, right? So if, if you know, if, if Samson is listed as this great guy of faith, if he's maybe hopefully in this, you know, cloud of witnesses that Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, 1 talks about, you know, if, if you could single him out of all those cheering crowd noises, what, what would Samson say to you? What would he say to me? What would he say was some things that we could pull from his life and things that we could look at? And say, well, what, what, what would, what could we do to learn from you, Samson? And so I don't end up with my eyes plucked out. You know what I mean? So that would be, that would be a rough spot. And I, I think one of the things that we would find out is that Samson would say that you know, when you think that you see everything clearly, when you think that you've got good, clear sight, that you know what, you actually, you don't have to lose your eyes to be blind. Now, how many of you have ever met? kind of that like naive person, maybe even a little ditzy person, the person that really doesn't know. Anybody know anybody like that? All, all two. Now, some of you want to point at somebody. Don't point at them here this morning. I was going to say, I don't want you to be like, swear he's talking about you. You know what I mean? No. But but sometimes, right, we know people that just don't get it. Like they just can't, they can't see it like in front of them, no matter how obvious it is. And so 
Samson, I think, would say a little bit like, hey, you, you know, you don't actually have to lose your eyes to be blind. And, and, and so for us, what, what do we see? We see that, you know, we can be blind to the purpose, to God's purpose for our life if we're not careful. And, and listen, the, the Nazarite vow that, that Samson had, right, that if you kind of look at the root of that is Nazar, and, and really if you take and, and you boil this down to what does that mean? It actually means to be consecrated. If you don't know what consecrated means, consecration is like you're going to set it aside for a specific purpose. Like it's not to be used like everything else is to be used. It has to be put aside for something very, very unique. Because, see, Samson, God had some big plans for his life. You know, in fact, as part of this vow, he wasn't allowed to drink wine, which, of course, you kn- if you know, uh, wh- that was like one of the main things that they drank because sometimes the water was not safe, you know what I mean? So, so they drank. In, in fact, it says that as part of the Nazarite vow, he wasn't even allowed to have raisins, which I could be down for because raisins are not good, okay? If y'all, y'all like raisins, my, my, my stepmother, she, she loves to make rice pudding, and she ruins it by putting raisins in it. Why would you want raisins in something? Come on, that's, keep that out of here. But he couldn't have wine. He couldn't have raisins. Of course, we know that he couldn't uh, get his hair cut. He couldn't get his hair cut, and so he would be rocking the long school mullet. You know what I mean? Like he would have it all hanging. And, and, and then the, one of the other things we find is that he wasn't able to be around dead people, like he couldn't be in the proximity of anything dead. And, and so, you know, we find that, uh, that it, it, he's, it, it's, he's got a specific purpose to his life. And, and in fact, I'm going to share in a couple weeks uh, about uh, uh, the prophet Elisha, who is my son's namesake, which, by the way, if you see him, make sure you kind of like jab him in the side a little bit or poke him on it, you know what I mean, and tell him happy birthday because uh, he turns 16 years old tomorrow. By the way, that makes me feel real old if you don't know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I was going to say it, it's one of those ones that's hard to believe, right? But, but you know, we the, like my son, his name is Elijah for a specific purpose. I'll share a little bit of that in a couple weeks, but because guess what? It, it, we have purpose. We have meaning. And so for you and for me, you know, I, I want us to understand that today you have a purpose. And, and Samson's purpose was not to get his, his eyes taken out. That was not on the radar. That was not on the plan initially. That was not supposed to happen. In fact, here's what it says in Judges 13.5. Uh, and this is um, what we find. Actually, before that, if you can hold on. I, actually, I'm going to add a scripture. They didn't know this. They don't like it when I add stuff in the back. But I'm going to do it anyway. Here's what it says, actually, in Judges 13.2. He says that a certain man of Zorah named uh, Maniah uh, uh, from the clan of Dan, uh, and, and, or from, yeah, from the clan of Dan, and his wife, they were sterile and they were made childless. And so one of the problems that you find here, and, and this is why I, I wanted to add this, uh, Samson is not a somebody from somewhere. He's just like a, just an ordinary guy. So here is this ordinary man who is from an ordinary family that just – was just so normal, kind of like you growing up in Gumbra, right? Come on. Like, he's like, come on, I'm from Gumbra. I'm, I'm from Millsboro. Some of you moved here from PA. I, I'm from nowhere, PA. And, and so for us, we see that, that he's just this ordinary guy, but God had planned something incredible for his life. 
Here's what we find is that when Samson, you know, Samson gets into the midst of this, we find that uh, in verse 13, verse 5, he says that, uh, and this is what God told uh, his dad and his mom, uh, that they couldn't have any children. They couldn't, they couldn't bear any kids. And it says that you're going to actually have a son, and his head is never going to be touched by a razor because the boy's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to be dedicated to God from the womb, and he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. He's actually going to have this major role to play. And, and I don't know if you understand this today, but God has called you. He's called you. He's called me to lead. He's called us to be set aside, to be consecrated. And in fact, today, I, I want you to understand that, and, and I don't know if you ever think about it in this way, but you know, there's some things that I don't do because I get the opportunity to stand up here and lead this church. Do you know that? There's some things that I, I maybe would like to do or I, I could do, but I choose not to do because of what God has called me to do. Because you know why? I'm supposed to be consecrated. I'm supposed to be set aside. He said the same thing about you. You say, well, Pastor Curtis, you're a minister. Well, now at Discover Church here, we believe that everybody's a minister, that we all get the opportunity, the privilege uh, to carry the gospel around. And so we're all set aside. We're all supposed to be set aside to do that. And here's the problem, though. Sometimes in our lives, we start living, we keep going down a road, and then guess what happens? We don't really know where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do. And it actually talks about this in Scripture. Proverbs 29, 18 says that where there is no revelation, guess what? The people cast off restraint. Okay, that's the NIV. And if you look at it from the NLT version, it actually says this. I love this one. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance... In other words, if you don't follow the direction that God has had and he's put in your life, then you know what happened? We run wild. Some of y'all run wild in the past. It's no fun, right? But you run wild. We go a little bit off the rails because here's what happens. If we, if we can't see God's vision for our life, if you can't see it in your life and if I can't see it in mine, you know what happens? We're actually in danger of something. We're in danger of settling for an earthly counterfeit. We're in danger of like settling kind of off for something else that kind of seems similar to it, that maybe could be a little bit part of what God had, but it's never really the full amount of what God is supposed to be taking a look at. Anybody ever had uh, some fake jewelry? Anybody ever get fooled by fake jewelry? Uh, my daughter just recently come out. She had these necklaces. I can't think came from my mom, and she brought these this jewelry out. She's looking at it. She wants me to look at it like, you know, what? what is this? And I'm like, I, I don't know. It came from Mama and Diana. I, I, and she, well, is it real? I don't know. I'm not a jewelry expert. It, I guess it's real. I don't have a clue. How about this? We're just not going to throw it away. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. But, but the fact of the matter is, is you can try to take a, a, a necklace that's a fake, and guess what? You can wear it, and you can, but go ahead and try to sell it. And what are you going to find? It's a counterfeit. It's a forgery. You're not going to get, it's not worth as much as the real thing. And the same happens in our, in our life, you know, and that's why here at Discover, that's why we say really clearly that we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover what your purpose actually is in order for you to make a difference. And so as we kind of go through this, we see that we can become blind to God's purpose for our life. And the second one is this, is that we actually become, become blind to the power of relationships, how many of you know relationships can be good? Relationships can also be bad. And the problem is, is Samson, he decided that he was going to go it all on his own. As Samson grows up, 
into the strapping young man that he becomes, and, and he starts going out. And, and Samson has decided that he's found him a woman that he wants to marry. He's found him a woman, right? You know what I mean? Like he's found somebody he's excited, a woman. You know what I mean? He's like, whoa, man, come on. You know what I mean? He found somebody that he really, uh, 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 he, 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 I think he liked the look of her. You know what I mean? And it, this is what it says in Judges uh, chapter 14, uh, chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. It says that he actually returned, and this is, he goes back to mom and dad. He says to him, mom and dad, he says, I've seen a, a Philistine woman, uh, and, and guess what? I want you to go, and I want you to get her for me. Uh, you know what I mean? I want her to be my wife. You know, I, I, I want you to go out, and, to, to, and, and of course, mom and dad are like, whoa, 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 hold on. Hold, Samson, come on, man, time out. You know, listen, don't you understand? God has put a specific purpose in your life. You're supposed to actually help us rid ourselves of the Philistines, and now you want to go marry one? Come on, son, what are you talking about? And, and I love this. They actually ask him this. Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of your people? In other words, isn't there, isn't there a, a, an Israelite that, that you think looks good? Come on, son, like, go get her. Like, why, why are you going to go over here and, and go after this uh, Philistine woman? And he says, no, 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 but you, you got to go. You got to go get her. Because guess what, mom and dad, she's the right one. You know, I, I don't know if he said it like that, but that's in my mind. He's like, but mom and dad, she's the right one. You know, he might have even done a little, I want her. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like a little, little tantrum, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if he did all that. But the, but the fact of the matter is, is what we find is that he's, he, he was not supposed to be what was considered unequally yoked. He was not supposed to be with somebody that didn't have the same faith as he, as he did, but he didn't care. He decided to go out, and I don't know if you're like me, but you ever had a moment in your life where you hung out with the wrong people, and then they come back to bite you in the rear end, you know what I mean? Like, there's just people that you should not be around. That's one of the biggest prayers is my kids that are now, you know, in teenage years and stuff, is I'm just like, Lord, please let them find the right people, you know what I mean, and help us to, to help navigate this, you know what I mean? You know, because guess what? Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15.33, it actually says, don't be misled because bad company corrupts good character. There has been so many people that I've known personally that have wanted to chase after God and wanted to follow after what God was going to doing in, is doing in their life and what God was going to do in their life. And guess what happens? They can never break themselves from the people that they used to hang out with. And so no matter what, how hard they wanted to follow after God, the character of the people that they had influenced them. And so guess what? Bad company corrupts good character. I don't know if you think about this when you were a teenager. If you had that relationship where you blinked your eyes at her and she blinked her eyes at you and you were just like, oh, it's just this we love each other so much. <laughs> Did you ever have one of those relationships? Well, we love each other. We love each other so much. And then at the end of it, you get crushed and hurt. You feel like your heart's going to blow out of your chest. It just feels devastating. You know, it's because we didn't have the great, well, at least when I was growing up, we didn't have the great theologian, Taylor Swift, <laughs> to give us inspiration. You know what Taylor Swift says? No, listen, you know what Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift says this? She says, when you're 15... If somebody, if somebody tells you that they love you, guess what? You're going to believe them. Come on, Taylor. That'll preach, right? Because the fact of the matter is, is, is we, we realize that that's it. I, I, can, I, can, can I be honest? Can I be real with you this morning? Is that okay? A little bit of real? Can I, can, okay. Come on. TJ, I'm not going to lie to you. I told a few girls that I loved them when I was younger. And guess what I did? I did not. 
because some of us, what do we want? We want a little sugar, put a little sugar on it, you know what I mean? We want... It's it, it is it's all about that flesh, you know what I mean? I, I wanted a little want a little bit of sweetness, you know. But the problem is, is if we're not careful, though, we get blind to the power of relationships. We get blind to the power of the influence of people in our lives. And here's the last one that we're going to talk about today: is this is that the blind we become blind to the nature of God. We become blind to the nature. One of the things that always has kind of blown me away about Samson is he was this guy that was just super naturally strong. He could just go out and whip anybody. You know what I mean? It, it just it didn't matter who. He could just go out and whip anybody. But because of the relationships, because of the fact that he was blind to where he was supposed to go on the pathway that God had laid out for him, he, was bl- he became blind to what the nature of God really was. Obviously, we know Delilah was trying to deceive him. She was trying to figure out what, what really is the source of your strength. And now, it's easy for us to kind of boil this down because, w- you know, we find out that, that his hair gets cut off and the strength leaves him. And so it's easy, at least it was for me growing up, for me to think that it was because Samson had long hair that he was strong. And maybe you think that too. But can I tell you that the long hair had absolutely nothing to do with it. What it had to do with is it had to do with the anointing of God. It had to deal with the power of God in his life. And so when, when, we, when we take a look at this, you know, we take a look at through all the stuff that, that Samson was doing that he shouldn't have, the deceitfulness, the lying, you know, where he was hanging out with the people he shouldn't have been hanging out with, involved with a woman that he shouldn't have been involved with, we find that, that God's presence was still with him. And I know maybe you're like me, and you're like, but wait a second, Pastor Curtis, that doesn't make any sense. How can you be doing the stuff that God doesn't want you to do, but God still be with you? Well, we sang about him today. I don't know if you know this, but God, he's a good God. He, he's a God who, who uh, you know, is waiting, I think, for Samson to, to wise up trying to give him the opportunity because he's generous, he, he's loving, he's compassionate, he's caring. And, and, and I, I think God is sitting there going, Samson, please stop. But finally the moment comes, and here's what it says in Judges 16. If you read this, Judges 16, verse 19, it says, after putting him to sleep on her lap, there's one problem right there where he shouldn't have been. She called for someone to come and to shave the braids of his hair and, and so began to subdue him. And then what we do is we find that all of his strength left him. Then she said, Samson, guess what? The Philistines upon you. And, and if you read all the other parts of this, anytime she would say this, which I don't know how Samson, he obviously what didn't, he wasn't the brightest bulb in the shed because this happened a lot. All of a sudden they were on him. Samson, they're here. You know what I mean? And, he, uh, and so... This time, though, when he gets up to go fight everybody off, like he's done so many times in the past, he woke from his sleep and thought, I'm going to go out just as I had before. I'm going to shake myself free. But you know what? It says here, this is the important verse. It says, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Samson did not understand that God's presence was with him and that Samson didn't understand that God's presence had left him. And then the Philistines, they seized him. They gouged out his eyes. They took him down to Gaza. They bound him to, in shackles. 
and they put him grinding grain in prison. One of the things that's amazing about this is he lied over and over again, just like you and I. I don't know if you've ever done this, like where you say, it, it, sometimes it's, it's the polite thing that you try to avoid. Sometimes it's blatant and it's obvious. But we mess up, we make mistakes over and over again. And the problem that we have to be really careful about, I think, here is recognizing if we've lost God's presence. Because Samson was so oblivious to the fact that God wasn't with him anymore, even when he thought he was. I want to let you know that God has a purpose for you. And he, and, and I, I, I say this constantly, this is like a weekly thing, where I, I say he has a purpose and a plan for you. He wants to see nothing but good happen in your life. But here's the problem, for us at least, is we find that God is also holy, he's just, He's to be honored. And so there comes a moment in time where God may for some, and this is, this is hard. This is not the fun, like the fun part of the message where we all get excited about it. But there are some times when God, when we steer so far and so in the opposite direction where God says, okay, guess what? You, you want to live that way? Go live that way. You want to do that? Go do that. But the problem is, is for us is we have to, find a way so that we can have that honor, that fear of the Lord, right? And the fear of the Lord isn't scared of him, but it, it's literally to, to, to see where we can uh, have the honor and respect, the respect that we should have for him as God. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, part of it says this. It says, and the Lord uh, said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. In other words, I'm not always going to be with you. And you say, well, Pastor Curtis, that's all this stuff that you're talking about, this is Old Testament. You know, that's, that's the wrath of God. And, you know, we, we got Jesus now and love in the New Testament. It's all, well, here's what it says in Romans. Paul says in Romans 6, 1 and 2, he says, what should we say? Should we continue in sin just so that grace could increase? No. No. Come on, Paul. Uh, this is where Paul, I think Paul, if he was here, he, he slammed his hand down. He's like, no, come on. By no means. Because guess what? If Christ died for us, then why should we continue to do the same thing that we've always done? Miss Priscilla, if you would, would you come up as we get ready to close? I've got three, three real quick ones that we're going to run through here. Three real quick ones that we're going to run through about what would Samson, I think, kind of his words of encouragement be. What, how, what would Samson say to us, right? Samson, how do I keep it so that I can know where God's presence is in my life so that I cannot be either physically, spiritually blind to what God is actually doing? And I think the first one he would say is that we have to protect the presence of God. You have to protect it. You have to actually know what's going on in your life. And you say, well, Pastor Curtis, how do I protect the presence of God? I think first off, it's being obedient. Now, I don't know about you, but being obedient is not like the number one thing I'm great at, okay? In fact, if you come up and tell me to do something, there's a better or not chance that I'm going to try to do the exact opposite thing just to prove that I can do it. I don't know if you're like me. But that's, that's, how, that's how I am. So obedience is not one of those things that comes naturally for me, and I don't think for many of us it does. But, but here's what it says in John 14, uh, chapter 14, 15, 16. He says, if you love me, this is Jesus, 
Do you love me? If you love me, then guess what? You're going to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate. He will give you the Holy Spirit that's never going to leave you. It's never going to forsake you. I love James. James is the brother of Jesus. And I always imagine what it would be like to be the brother of Jesus growing up. But James has a really great one. James actually says, guess what? Don't just listen to God's word. But you actually have to do what it says. And you're like, oh, James, thanks for making it so obvious, right? It's a duh. But, but he says, no, I, I understand. Because otherwise what you're going to do is you're just going to be fooling yourself. When we're going through the charade and we're trying but we're not really real, I want to let you know whether you're watching online or you're here in person, I really truly think that this is one of the biggest things that we as people who are trying to follow after God, we struggle with. We walk in disobedience, even though we know that's not what we're supposed to do. I know I have in the past. I know I talk to a lot of people who are like, I just don't understand. We walk in disobedience to what God wants us to do, and we wonder where his presence is. The second one is this. So you got to choose your relationships carefully. I want to let you know, if you don't know this, the people that are close to you matter. Because they're either going to do one of two things. They're either going to help bring life and community to your life, draw you closer to God, or they're going to do the opposite and take you further away. And I can tell you right now, it almost doesn't matter how much you want to be like God if you keep bad company. Proverbs, Book of Wisdom says this. He says, he who walks with the wise does what? He grows wise. But the, compa- uh, but the companion of the fool suffers harm. And I think the third one is this. We have to understand that failure is never final. Come on. Because that's it. We have to understand that failure is never final because he, here's the part that I haven't talked about today about Samson. For all the stuff that Samson did, Samson, as I can imagine, finds himself in this, you know, dark, it's dark because he didn't got no eyes, he can't see. He's strapped to something that he doesn't really understand, forced to work, really doesn't have a whole lot of an understanding of what's happening around him. But here's the thing. That's not the end of his story. Because Samson has a moment where all of a sudden he kind of has this revelation. He, he realizes kind of what he's done. And, and, and so here's what it says in Judges 16, 28. He prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord. And I think it's really important that he said sovereign Lord. You know why? Because I think he was recognizing God's place in his life. God, you are over me, so- sovereign Lord. Will you please remember me? Please, God, strengthen me just one more time. Just one more time, God. Can I have just one more chance? Can I wait one more opportunity to show you that I get it? That, I, God, I know that I've not done what you wanted me to do, but, God, I know I've messed up over time after time after time. But, Lord, can you give me just... Just one more chance. Would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close?
I want to take just a second today for those of you who are maybe here for the very first time, maybe you're watching for the very first time. If you've never accepted Christ as Savior, I know it's, sometimes it's hard, but I, I truly think that just like for me, when we haven't, we, we recognize that there's something kind of missing. There's this emptiness, this hole. And, and for, for me, I found it through Christ. And, and maybe you today, as we're talking about the company you keep and the purpose that God has for your life, it's starting to kind of bring up some memories and some flags. And today, listen, it would be no greater joy of mine, no greater joy of us as a church than to celebrate with you to see you as you walk with Christ and accept him for the very first time. Now listen, today if you say, well, Pastor Curtis, I've already done that, but man, I feel kind of crappy right now because I feel like I, I'm living Samson's life minus the owl yeah, gouging, gouging. I'm going to get it, TJ. I'm going to have to practice that. Minus that, right? But you, you can look at Samson's life and you feel like, guess what? I, I've lived his life. Like, I, I know that God was wanting me to do something and I run away from it, but yet I know and I keep coming back and then I fall away and I come back. And, and Pastor Curtis, I don't want to see myself get to the spot where God removes his presence from me and I don't know it. Listen, today, I, I want to pray with you. And it, the wonderful part is, is, guess what? Your story isn't over yet. Because failure, the failure that you feel right now, that's not the final word spoken over you. So I want to invite you, if you would, just close your eyes. And I just want to ask today, if there's anyone that's in this place, and you say, I want to accept Christ into my life as the very first time. Listen, if that's you, we're not going to call you out. I just want to ask that you slip up your hand today. If you just slip up that hand, and we just want to believe, and we want to pray with you, support you, and love on you. Nobody's watching you. Nobody's trying to figure out. And so today, the other part to this is if he's like, Pastor Curtis, I feel like I've lived Samson's life. I feel like I've failed multiple times and that I'm supposed to be on this path, but I find myself on a totally different one. And you say, I, I want to kind of come back. I want to be part of the path and the purpose that God has for my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'm raising my hand this morning because that's me. There's been times... There's been some times when I, I think I've got it figured out, and then I don't. And then I think I'm on the right path, and I don't. And then I open my mouth, and I say something I should have, it shouldn't have. And, I, and then I, I do something I shouldn't have done. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray right now over your sons and your daughters in this place. And Father God, that if there's anyone that's far from you, that we would just be able to simply confess. And that we would say, Jesus, be our Lord and our Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of all the times when I continue to do the things that I know I'm not called to do. And Father, thank you for not letting the failure of my past define my future. And Lord, today I pray that your Holy Spirit, that your anointing, Father God, is going to speak to hearts and minds right now today. Father, I celebrate the fact that we don't serve a God that's just an idol on a shelf, that he's just some deity really far away, but Father, that you have the Holy Spirit that wants to be active in each of our lives. And today, Father, I pray, Lord God, that you're going to help us draw closer to your purpose, 
your will so that we can find that purpose, so that we can make that difference, and we can ultimately find the fulfillment that we're looking for through you. Lord, we thank you. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give it up. I think somebody is making some steps towards Christ.